Welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Grind brought to you by the Cannabis Lab. I am your host, Todd Rosales, and it is our first interview of the week. Thank you so much for everybody for watching the shows last week. Really enjoyed those episodes. We did a preview episode for the Emerge Cannabis Conference, which is going on today, tomorrow, and I believe Thursday with Charles Warner. Um, and then we had Jeremy Gutveg from Vitacan. It was an awesome conversation. Unfortunately, Tom from Dacoon had to cancel on us. He had an emergency trip up north. But of course, we will get him back on the show. Um, great recorded content, youtube.com slash elevate your grind. You can always check out our old shows there. If you are not able to watch this entire episode, you obviously can check it out next week on YouTube slash elevate your grind, or you'll be able to find it on any of our audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, etc. cetera. Uh, you can find it wherever you find your podcasts. So really excited about today's guest. Um, the guest today has a device that really fits in line with how I believe the future of the cannabis market is going to come about or really how it's going to operate. So I'm excited to talk to him, but a few notes before we get into that. So it has been announced February 5th. We are having our annual C-Lab conference. Uh, I'm really excited about it. It's been since last September that we did it. Um, got to meet a lot of great folks. It was an amazing conference. We're going to do this down at the Sacred Space in Miami. Really looking forward to it. It's going to be socially distant. We're going to have some great panels. There's going to be a virtual component to it, too. If you want more information on that, head to joincelab.com. Again, that is going to be February 5th, and you can get all the information you need at joincelab.com. Um, for those of you that are looking for something to do tomorrow, I will be hosting the edibles panel for the Emerge Conference. We've got an awesome lineup. Go to emergecana.com. You can use my code, VIP. We'll get you in at no cost. Really excited. Um, we've got a lot of great things going on. So today's guest, I was introduced to him by one of our PR partners. Matteo Communications is a very big friend of the show. They bring a lot of people to us. And this device that, that this gentleman created or, or is you know, banking his business on is absolutely incredible. His backstory is really cool. There's a lot of uh, prior companies that I'd like to discuss with him. So without any further ado, please welcome the CEO of Omura, Mike Simpson. Mike, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Todd, for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, man. So, dude, I, I love your device, right? Because in, in, I want to get into the backstory and everything else, but I'm just going to tell you why I love it, right? Because it is a whole flower product, and it's discreet, and it's portable, and everything else. And I don't think enough people are focusing on doing something like that for whole flower, right? We see, and we all have them with us, right? And that's weird, obviously, pulling it out of my pocket. Everybody's focusing on these. You have the distillate vaporizers. You've got things like the G-Pen Dash. You've got, but there's a lot of it that's focusing on concentrate and distillate. And candidly, when I use something like this for smoking a joint, it's a completely different experience. So you decided to focus on whole flower I'm sure there's a ton of backstory behind why, but just let's start with the high level. What made you decide that whole flower was the way to go? Thanks, Todd. Uh, this is a fantastic question. So I'll dial it back a little bit. Uh, I was working in the tobacco industry for 15 years, and I was working on what they call next generation or harm reduction technology. So basically working on vaporizers and heat not burn technology has, has been my kind of lifeblood for a long time. I stopped smoking cigarettes to heat not burn tobacco. Uh, I, I, you know, I've done a lot in this space. I was living in Tokyo for 10 years, developing new technologies for the tobacco industry in this space. So from a different parallel perspective, I knew heat not burn was actually emerging 
in big tobacco. I moved over to California eight years ago to research the cannabis space on behalf of big tobacco. And I really understood how important heat not burn was for the cannabis plant. You know, it's so rich in oils and terpenes that heating up rather than combusting it is an incredibly uh, kind of, con well, it's a, uh, an efficacious, healthy uh, way to consume cannabis that still gives you the full entourage effect. So that's the broad background of why I realized that using heat not burn uh, was gonna be the future, or in my opinion, you know, the future of whole flower cannabis. Well, I definitely want to dig into that more. And for some reason, this show has it, the, the, the way that I run the timeline of the show is like one of those movies where they start with the heist. And then all of a sudden, right before the cops show up, they circle all the way back to two years ago when they were planning the heist. Right. So that's what we're going to do now. We're going to go into your background. So, I mean, looking at your LinkedIn, the earliest gig that I can see you have is got to be awesome. You were working in design for Lego of all places. I mean, when you're growing up as a kid, and they interview you as a child and they say, where do you want to you know, work when you grow up? I imagine Lego is one of those companies. So I know this is a cannabis podcast, but I've got to ask, how is it working for a company like Lego? I mean, do you design, how does it even work? Do you design the whole product and then reverse engineer the little pieces that go in it? I'm sure your job was a lot higher level than the specific products themselves, but talk to us about the experience with Lego. It's, it's a great question. I hadn't realized you'd done your background on me there, uh, all the way to LinkedIn at least. Um, I've got a whole sheet of questions, oh, my friend. Good, good. Uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously uh, every child uh, growing up loves Lego. And uh, I don't know if people dream to be a Lego designer, but when I finished my first degree in industrial design, Lego were looking around the, the, the exhibitions for new talent, essentially. And they offered me a job. And uh, initially I thought, Lego, it's been designed. You know, why would you want to get another designer? You know, but it was, I was a bit naive. You know, I was, I was looking for high flying, doing something else. Um, but I started working with Lego and it turned out to be literally a dream job because not only was I designing Lego, I was actually called what they call a provocateur. It was my job to travel the world on expenses and get research buying toys in different countries. So we traveled all the way through Europe. We bought a bus and traveled from Denmark through to Italy. I spent two months living in Japan, researching toys in Japan. And then I traveled around the US researching toys in America. You know, it, you couldn't get better than that. And then I ended up setting a design office up for Lego in Tokyo, uh, where I em employed the Japanese uh, manga artists and designers and model builders, because I'd convinced Lego after my global tour that uh, you can design toys in Japan with a global perspective because of their attention to detail. Uh, the truth is I'd fallen in love with Japan after I'd visited there. So uh, we, we came up with uh, Lego's number one brand at the time called ExoForce and then uh, transitioned to my next life. Uh, Lego wanted to bring me back to Europe and I didn't want to leave Japan. So I said, thanks and goodbye. Dude, that is awesome. I mean, you know, I, I can imagine the conversations you're having with people. Oh, it's a late night in the office. I got to put together the Ninja Turtle sewer set. You know, obviously I joke, but... That, that's an awesome job. So I know that you have a deep background in design, which I, I think is for someone who's going to be putting out products is very important, right? And I think that goes back to some of the lessons that Steve Jobs talked about, you know, when you read his books and everything else that, you know, form and functionality, they, they, they're inverse. But the reason that Mac took off is because it looked cool right? The Mac computers and everybody's ripping off the Mac designs now. So when it comes to design, I think part of it is not only does it have to function, but it has to look cool. So I imagine, you know, fast forwarding all the way now to the vaporizer device that you have, and I don't want to call it a vaporizer because I know it's not doing that, but you know, 
I imagine a lot of your background in design led to making something that was cool. So not only that, you went on after, I saw after Lego, you actually had your own toy company for a little bit, or at least consulting in the toy industry. It was called mm -hmm. what, J-Kid? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Very cool. So you just love playing with toys at this point. You just didn't <laughs> want to grow up, huh? Well, as you'll notice, I had this parallel life or parallel existence. I always had toys and tobacco in my life. So a little bit of a yin and yang story there. But you are, you are totally right. I think when I uh, first bought my first Mac, it wasn't necessarily beautiful at the time. But what I did notice immediately, it started up just with a little logo in the screen. And it wasn't streaming data up there with syntax errors and all of this booting up stuff. Yeah. Microsoft used to give you. So it, it, yes, looks are very important, but the functionality uh, is, is obviously you know, so much more important in my mind. And actually going into uh, the, uh, the toy company, JKid, um, we actually had a philosophy where we don't use buttons. We never used to have a button on a single product that we designed. We created the Test Tube Aliens, which was our biggest hit. And it was the world's first web interactive toy uh, and it was born in an egg and it dissolved in a test tube and it grew and it had a computer brain that you could hold up to the, the, the computer screen and put it into a coma and ask it questions. It was pretty bizarre, uh, but we were all over user interface essentially, which actually takes us all the way to our, our newest product. Um, it's the Series X. I will come into it in more detail, but it doesn't have a button. We intentionally give it no button. You put a stick in and it starts automatically. So it's easily the most seamless user interface possible. That's really cool. So we'll, we'll fast forward a little bit. Not that I want to brush over your history, but obviously, you know, the people watching the show want to learn more about the cannabis stuff. So you're working for, if I recall correctly, British and American tobacco, and they task you with researching the cannabis industry. So you're just the king of getting awesome jobs. You know, <laughs> what What happens then, right? What were, What was the intention of evaluating the cannabis industry for them? Was it to see the threat levels? Was it to see the innovation? Or was it just for them to find an entryway into the marketplace? Brilliant question. So uh, I think it was probably multifaceted. Um, you know, I think information and intelligence, uh, you know, broadly speaking, obviously if you're a company based in a, a different country, you want to know what's happening on the ground uh, in an industry, a, a parallel industry like cannabis. So I was uh, working with BAT to research, uh, you know, basically all the trends in the space, the technologies in the space. Could these technologies be applicable for tobacco potentially? Uh, and a lot of other things, uh, including generation of new intellectual property of obviously, which I can't share with you. But it was throughout that process that I actually realized, um, you know, well, obviously it was my whole learning curve, learning about the cannabis plant, but realized, you know, how valuable a plant it was and realized what everybody else is knowing now as well about, you know, the, the, the you know, the, uh, the crime almost of, you know, making it illegal for so long and depriving people from this medicine. You know, I learned how, you know, how powerful cannabis was, um, not as a recreational drug, but as a, you know, medicinal uh, opportunity, basically. And then I also learned about how great it was for heat not burn I, I seen all the devices on the market like stores and bickle devices and the packs and you know it was my job uh, to take a suitcase full of devices to the UK every three months to give a download of all of the technologies I bought my job gets better yeah? so I'm, I'm basically showing all of these new technologies and I'm stripping them all up down learning about this heat not burn technology that had been developed in the cannabis space uh, and I realized at that stage that the uh, the heat not burning tobacco you know a product 
called the ICOS by Philip Morris. It stands for I Quit Ordinary Smoking. It had been launched in Japan when I was there. It took 20% of the Japanese cigarette market. It was uh, launched in Europe. It was wow. now in 50 odd countries. And it, it was just about to be launched in the US. So I seen this technology in heat not burn for the tobacco industry about to hit the US. I had all of this knowledge from the cannabis space and how efficacious and desirable uh, heat not burn was uh, in cannabis. And I knew, you know, there was a, so a solid opportunity there to make a clean, convenient product in the cannabis space, which could be, you know, as broadly adopted as a product like in the tobacco space, i.e. mainstream consumer product. Very cool. So I want to get into the product itself now, because, you know, as I mentioned in the introduction here, and, and one of the things I did today is I, I, I um, moderated the beverages panel for the Emerge Conference. And the reason I really like that panel is because when I look at the greater cannabis industry um, and we have general consumers coming into this industry, not former smokers, not legacy cannabis consumers, but the general public, I think that beverages are going to be a much bigger category because they mimic traditional delivery mechanisms, but realistically because they don't smell and they don't smoke, right? And that's one of the things that I've looked at is when we look at cannabis's general adoption, if federal legalization happens tomorrow and all of a sudden everyone's like, you can smoke weed wherever you want, restaurants, whatever, you can have consumption lounges. I don't think that joints and bongs and all the other things are going to be the main delivery mechanism of consuming in public because it's invasive. And this country has fought and other countries have fought very hard to remove smoke out of public places. Of course, it was cigarette smoke, but I don't think they're in a rush to put it back. So what we see in cannabis is we see a ton of these and there's such a ton of focus on it. I remember what led me to this um, is my wife does not smoke. She is fine with me doing it. She doesn't care, but she doesn't want me to smell like it, right? So we actually had some family come in to stay with us and she's like, I don't want you smelling like cannabis, right? So a friend brought me one of these. I hit it. I'm like, this is great. This is going to be amazing. I went out and bought a bunch of them, but the more and more I used it, it wasn't the same effect. I didn't, I didn't get what I was looking for when I would consume a joint or something else like that. Right. So, you know, I've tried a lot of the whole flower vaporizers and everything else. And most of the time I'm the guy who ends up turning it up as high as it can and ends up igniting it. I'm basically smoking it out of the vaporizer anyway. So, to me, I've been doing what you did for British American Tobacco, but for free for my own knowledge, right? Trying and testing out all these devices. And of course, it's not cheap, but I'm excited to talk about your product. And I really want to understand the heat, not burn aspect of it compared to what we see as vaporizers. Because for the longest time, at least to me, I feel like I've been sold the vaporizer is supposed to be heat, not burn, but I'm learning that that's not the actual truth. So if you can kind of help us all understand that a little bit, I know this was very long winded, but you know, this is really why I want to understand the heat, not burn technology and the advantages of it, because I see so many. Oh, thanks very much, Todd. Uh, it is a shame your question was too long because my mind's off on a dozen different tangents to answer various parts of that question. Um, I mean, firstly, I think, it's very interesting that you talk about the, the 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 technology in the vaporizers that you have there, because you know most of these technologies actually uh, transitioned from the tobacco industry anyway. You know the the technology used in the vaporizers that you're talking about came from e-cigarettes originally. Um, so this is actually you know one of the reasons that heat not burn I believe will be successful is because you know the industry such as as, as large as big tobacco 
uh, it's got you know it's got a lot of power globally basically to influence people you know creating new rituals so this is one of the reasons heat not burn i believe in cannabis is going to be successful because there is a parallel industry trailblazing it and throwing a lot of marketing dollars at it so it does actually help uh, that people are familiar with the ritual because when i go to anywhere in asia or europe and i show them my product they immediately say ah oh, that's like icos for cannabis but in the us because icos hasn't been or there isn't a big tobacco solution available for the, the consumers they're not familiar with this whole ritual of heat not burn certainly in a stick format so it's interesting you know this i said there's dozens of devices out there. there's actually nearly 200 devices that use heat not burn for cannabis um wow and, you know like the pax 3 for example i believe that's sold over a million units in that single device you know i'm absolutely sure it has so if you think about the amount of products in the market so there's you know literally tens of millions of users using heat not burning cannabis already which you know that goes to show how you know popular method of consumption it is that said each and every device on the market at the moment involves a consumer buying some uh, flour grinding the flour as you well know filling an oven with flour um, and obviously there's a lot of variability in all of those processes already then you select an incremental temperature which you know can leave the consumer a little confused as you said you turn up to the mats and you burn it yep. uh, then you use a mouthpiece every time um, and then you need to clean it out with this little kind of metal spatula or a brush and then every 10 or 15 times you use rubbing alcohol because of the buildup of residue inside the mouthpiece and other parts of the device that process is mind-blowing you know it's i mean some people call it a ritual but you know for me that's that's definitely a process um and a, i realized hands down it's a process a hundred percent uh you're and, and i don't mean to interrupt you there but you're looking at the guy who's bought everything on the market and still goes back to rolling papers and filters because it's uh, what I'll do is I'll sit down on a Sunday, roll a bunch of them, and then I have them for the week. And for me, I can just go and pick them. And I think this is where you're going with it. But it is a process, right? I think for cannabis consumers, it is a ritual, the traditional ones. But we're talking about general public and trying to pull them into the space. So I apologize for that. Go on. No, it, it's so relevant. It's so relevant. Um, I mean, I, I realized if you wanted to take this product or heat not burn, especially mainstream, then you needed to eliminate all of those pain points. So, you know, we, um, if you don't mind showing the product there, the Not product at all. comes you know, nicely in a, in, a, in a pack like cigarettes almost. That's very um, cool. The sticks themselves are already pre-filled with the uh, the cannabis or the, the hemp CBD. So basically now we've already eliminated the having to buy flour, grind flour and fill an oven. It's simply already pre-packed with an exact dose. Uh, then instead of selecting an incremental temperature, uh, which kind of confuses the user. You simply put the stick inside the device and it starts automatically. Um, so the user interface is seamless. And then you just uh, use the stick to, as a mouthpiece. So you draw on the stick uh, and you pull all the cannabinoids and terpenes out. This particular device, the new one, uh, actually boils off 99% of the cannabinoids. So it's extremely efficient. And then after you, your session's finished, you simply remove the stick and throw it in the trash. It's biodegradable. So you don't need to do any of that cleaning there's no buildup of residue so there's no long-term in-depth cleaning um and it's it's just a seamless process basically dude so i mean to me you literally took this right and unscrew this and you essentially are selling me a pack of these with whole flour in them and your device is this right you've you've taken this and you've you've done it for the whole flour smoker that's incredible i mean i wish 
I wish I lived out in California to try it in the THC format, but hopefully we can get you in the stores in Florida soon enough, man. That's my problem about doing this show in a state to where I don't have all these awesome devices. What, what is that container made out of? Is that like, just like a paper, not paper, obviously, but just kind of like a, a it's, it's, it's literally rainforest friendly paper, totally biodegradable. So whilst it is similar to a cartridge of sorts, it's, it's more similar to a paper straw. Um, it's literally a paper tube and whole flower, uh, whole flower, either cannabis or hemp CBD. So there's nothing artificial added. Um, it's, you know, it's, it goes back to the earth. Very, uh, very sustainable. Very cool, man. So were you, did you, did you work with similar devices to this in the tobacco industry and it was just repurposed for cannabis or was this device designed for cannabis from the ground up? Pretty much from the ground up, if I was quite honest, it, it was obviously, uh, it's quite complex. It's interesting, from Big Tobacco, they designed systems and this i system that I speak of, it actually cost Philip Morris $4 billion to develop. So that's obviously, that's a very large chunk of R&D cash. Um, I'd been lucky enough to work in the tobacco industry, so I had more knowledge about kind of consumer preferences and like the stick format and what could be desirable. So the whole kind of process is kind of a, a, a you know a, a mindset potentially from that side of the industry. That said, the amount of devices that have been de- developed for the cannabis industry, um, there's a plethora of different technologies and little kind of nuances and innovations in there. And I've just been privy to be able to understand all of the technologies that are out there. So uh, essentially we chose convection technology, which was gonna be the best method for heating a stick like ours, because we, if we use conduction, we'd be heating the stick sides up more. So we use convection, so we just pull hot air through the stick, which is perfect for boiling off all the, the cannabinoids, um, essentially. You know, I really appreciate you being so gentle as you're explaining this, because even a simpleton like me can understand the science behind it. So I appreciate that very much. Um, you know, but to me, this looks very much like a consumer device, right? Are, are you, so you're, these are not being sold kind of direct to consumer like a PAX 3 or like a, a G-Pen Dash, where they can ground up and do that. Or do you have the option of people filling their own sticks as well? Or what, what market are you focused on? Um, well, you can, from buying the products, you can buy them from obviously retail stores or you can buy them from our website as well. But regarding the, the consumables, like um, the ones I've just shown you, for example, we have a variety of different, there's a couple of different models. There's a THC model, which are available in dispensaries. Our company's not a touching plant company, so we don't have a cannabis license. So we essentially sell the technology or the empty packaging to cannabis companies who fill it in their own facility. And we have these cannabis brands this is Tradecraft that we're launching with right now. Uh, we have a number of other different brands already on the shelf, um, like the Sweetwater Farms. Then we also have the, uh, a couple of brands out there of our own, which are actually hemp CBD brands. We have this Libertine brand, and then we have Oriole brand as well. But what we don't do, we don't sell empty sticks to the, the consumer. We, all, we want to provide them with a finished solution. You know, the, the, the type of the consumer that we're addressing, we, we know they want this seamless, convenient, pre-filled experience. If we try to sell empty sticks, then we'd be going back a step to people who like that ritual of either rolling or grinding or filling. Uh, and we basically, we wanted to take the extra, you know, few steps and you know, go the extra mile and create this new sophisticated uh, kind of seamless experience. 
Well, I tend to ask my, my questions very selfishly. And in my head, it's like, well, the only way I'm going to get my hands on it if he sells empty sticks and I film myself down here in Florida, I guess we're going to have to try to make some introductions to the MMTCs down here so they can just license your product. You know, we can just do it that way so I can get my hands on one. But it looks like an absolutely amazing product as far as from a convenience standpoint, as far as the actual process of using it, um, you know, put it in. I saw something. It's about a three minute session. What's the experience like? Is it very similar to, you know, taking a hit off of a joint? Um, you know, is there uh, a lingering smell? Is, you know, is there clouds of smoke? Talk to us about the improvements you've made on the experience there. Yeah, brilliant. So the experience itself, it's, uh, it wouldn't be too dissimilar to using like a Pax or a Volcano, but obviously not as you know, heavy as a Volcano because that's a very large capacity. Um, there's no smoke because there's no combustion. All that comes off when you, you heat not burn is the cannabinoids and terpenes. So there's a very light wisp of vapor. You actually find if you pull the vapor in and you inhale it deep, you exhale very little, almost none. But if you pull it into your mouth, like I will here, You can see like a, a small yeah. visible amount of paper. If I pull that into my lungs, I actually retain it. So it's the, the efficacy of you know using vaporizer like this. It means you you know you keep the vast majority of the cannabinoids or the medicine inside. So on top of that, when I breathe very loud, it means there's very little um, audible sorry um, uh, odor. So you know there's a very little smell in the end. It dissipates very fast as well. So it's it's very hygienic, very clean, very effective as well. Would you make the argument that you're actually getting more of the full effect from the strain and you're going to get more of the true effects from the strain as they're described by leveraging this instead of smoking a joint and igniting it? Uh, I, I would make that argument, actually. A lot of the time when you have a joint, a lot of it literally goes up in smoke. It's either burning away in the ashtray or it, you know, if you're passing it around, uh, it's, it's burning away. Also, as you can imagine, if you breathe out a cloud of smoke, there's such a large volume, that volume of smoke, which is, leaves the body, hadn't been kind of retained by the lungs. It's totally you know, full of cannabinoids and terpenes. The lungs don't choose the cannabinoids and let the smoke out. They're all going away with the smoke as well. You know, so people can get high off secondhand smoke. But when again, when you use one of our sticks or if you use heat not burn for cannabis, you retain the majority of the cannabinoids. So the efficacy is actually, we believe double that of smoking. We haven't done any lab trials yet, although we intend to shortly, but yeah, essentially you get a lot more you know, for your money when you use heat not burn. Um, also, you, you know, this is one of the few products you can get the full entourage effect with still. Very cool. And the last question I've got to ask about this, just because I saw my wife actually liked this video, maybe because I was talking about her before, but she's going to be very interested to know what is, do, am I going to smell after using the product? And if I, if, like, I know when I, when I smoke a joint, I'm going to smell for two hours. My fingers are going to smell like it. I imagine that there is, it is still cannabis and has a, a stink to it, if you will. But I imagine that if there is a smell, it doesn't last nearly as long as, as you know, igniting the products. No, it's, it's very light. You actually, from a user experience, you can taste the strain, you taste the terpenes. So it actually tastes, I believe, good. You know, when you set fire to something, you mask the flavor. The, 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 obviously, the smell and the taste of the smoke masks the flavor of the particular strain. So there is a smell. You can smell it lightly, but it's no stronger than um, like using a vape pen like you use now. And obviously, the cloud is an awful lot smaller as well, so it dissipates faster. So I believe you'll smell less by using uh, a device like ours compared to either using a vape pen definitely than smoking a, a joint or a bong. Well, if you need to do any research, I will certainly sign up for those trials, but 
Um, let's yeah. let's look at the business now. So as much as I love alternative consumption methods, not that this one is really too far out there. You know, when I talk to a lot of the beverages companies or even some of the the sophisticated vaporizer companies, there comes a level of education that needs to be done with your marketing, right? You even said it yourself when you when you show it to people, um, you know, overseas, especially in Asia, that they have something similar to this for tobacco, whereas here we don't, right? So do you find that there is, you know, it, with your marketing and with your distribution, that there is a level of education that you need to provide both the bud tenders and the end consumers to understand your product? Mm, yeah, great question. And you are totally right. At the moment, there is a, a heavier lift at the marketing level. Um, we need to educate bud tenders. We also put people in stores doing PADs to educate the consumers as well. So th there is a heavier lift. That said, um, the, uh, the iCOS device has actually now been uh, authorized by the FDA to be marketed as a reduced exposure product. So Philip Morris will be rolling their iCOS device out through the US. So we're going to see you know, a, a similar format in the tobacco industry throughout the US over the next year anyway, I believe. So this will actually help kind of trailblaze, uh, you know, this consumer awareness for this new ritual for us. Very cool, man. Well, you guys seem to be doing, you know, seem to be getting off to a great start. It's, it's a phenomenal product. I'd love to, you know, look, see some of the educational content that you have because I think it's great. And I think more people need to learn about this, but obviously, you know, you don't need me to tell you because you secured an awesome funding round from uh, someone we know very well, Bruce Linton. I mean, I know he wasn't the entire check, but raised $5 million. And now you have Bruce Linton as part of your company. Um, I mean, that's got to be exciting going forward to have, you know, someone who is recognized as one of the first major CEOs of a cannabis company backing you guys. Mm -hmm. No, it's brilliant. I, I speak with Bruce weekly. Uh, we have a good conversation about where the company's at. Uh, he makes uh, recommendations and gives strategic advice to us, but he also introduces us to many people at very high levels in other, in other companies. Um, you know, basically, Bruce believes in Amura, uh, our technology and our story, and obviously he believes we're going places. So, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. A great opportunity to be working with him. Cool. What does the future look like for you guys? I imagine, so, you know, I imagine, I saw that you guys are in Massachusetts, obviously in California. I'm not sure what other markets that you're in. Actually, you partnered with a friend of mine out in Massachusetts in Revolutionary Clinics. I'm not sure if you know okay. uh, Ryan Anson. So Ryan, Ryan is a, Ryan. a friend of our family. Yeah. Brilliant. So really excited to see you guys in Massachusetts there with Ryan and his team. You know, what does the future look like for you? Are you looking to expand into other states? Are you looking to get more market share in the states that you're in? I'm just curious about your approach to the market. Yeah, great question. Uh, it's a little bit of every, anything and everything. Uh, I, we're going to be expanding and grabbing more uh, retail uh, territory in the states that we're already in. We're getting more flower brands in the states that we're already in coming to the table, but we're also launching in new states as well. Uh, you'll be interested to know we've already submitted to the DOH in Florida, as we have in other states as well. So we, uh, we, we're going to be out in a number of other states. Certainly, we're penned for another four or five states in the first quarter of 2021. Um, and again, we're not a cannabis company. We own the technology behind the platform. So we are actively looking for opportunities, you know, throughout the cannabis space, throughout the hemp CBD space, uh, and also throughout uh, other countries around the world as well, because we believe this is a technology that we can scale, you know, across the globe, basically. Very cool. Let me, let's actually touch on the hemp CBD side of things. So that's really interesting to me because 
all of a sudden, hemp smokables became a thing. I never thought that was going to be a thing. Actually, for a short period of time, I worked for a CBD company that functioned like a nutraceutical company. They mixed herbs in mm -hmm. with the CBD, and they had some great formulas in the form of tinctures, salves, teas, things like that. And they wanted to come out with a, a hemp pre-roll that had herbs and stuff in it. And I just go, why? In my opinion, and I'm not obviously the smartest person in the world, but if someone's using it for a health and wellness product, they're probably not a smoker, right? So to get somebody to light up a hemp joint is a stretch, right? I, I had Shada Tarabi on the show. She, she lives in Texas, right? And I, I had a joke with her saying, you guys have a fake cannabis industry in Texas because it's not legal. And they're very big on the smokable joints there. Um, but having said that, looking at your product, I kind of see that removes a step from people consuming it that way by inhaling CBD versus taking it mm -hmm. orally or, or putting it on their skin or something like that. Do you think that this plays more into the health and wellness factor that people can consume CBD and we'll call it the traditional method that it's been consumed by cannabis consumers and not have to worry about lighting up something to do it? Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I, I've seen it as well over the last year, especially the, uh, the amount of whole flower CBD available throughout either smoke shops, vape shops, uh, and or obviously uh, CBD wellness stores as well. It's phenomenal. There's, you know, there's literally thousands of uh, retail points where you can buy uh, whole flower now as well. But you're correct. Most people are obviously either rolling it in a joint and setting fire to it. Uh, and maybe a handful of people are using it in like uh, their heat not burn devices. But we've really got an opportunity now to, to give them a, you know, a healthier method of, of consuming it without all the combustion i said the two brands we have in the health sorry in the hemp cbd space is libertine and this is more of a, a male oriented it's uh, product it's more about don't smoke cigarettes you know that, that that stuff's over how about you know using hemp cbd instead and then we have what you more you're referring to is a brand we call oriel which is the health and wellness brand uh, this is more kind of female oriented in its kind of marketing but we have a single strain hemp CBD and then this is all single strain hemp CBD but we've we've actually cut in around 20% of chamomile in this one 20% of peppermint 20% of lavender so you also get that kind of subtle undertone of the flavors of the natural herb as well so yeah we, we believe that uh, you know the the the, the vapable hemp cbd flower market uh, you know can be huge we're also doing white labeling for third parties we've got a couple of other brands on already and we're in uh we're in discussions with you know a number of larger partners we're also in discussions with uh, a lot of smoke shop vape shops and uh, cbd chain stores throughout the us so you know we think this is an opportunity where we can get in you know potentially even uh you know the convenience stores you know that we're obviously in pharmacies and convenience stores or you know these some of these products are already so yes, it's a huge opportunity. And I think the interesting thing about inhalation of the vapor, uh, it's, it is very efficacious. You can feel it. As soon as you take it, the, uh, the bioavailability of the vapor, i.e. the way the body responds to it, is, you know, it's almost instantaneous. So it's a really nice way to take it compared to a tincture where you question when the effect happened or did it happen. Um, you know, you really feel the, you know, the multitude of cannabinoids in there. So you get the full spectrum effect when you, you vape it like this. Also not to mention the amount of minor cannabinoids in there as well. We're seeing CBN and CBG and all sorts of other cannabinoids that people are now looking at as well. And that's, this is a great method to be able to consume them. 
dude, this is incredible. I'm really a big fan of this device and, and really what it does for the plant. You know, we focused a lot on, on the U.S. market right now. Do you guys look international? Are you working with any international cannabis companies at this point? Or when I say international, in other countries, obviously nobody's really international yet. But mm-hmm. Well, we're actually doing quite a lot around the world. We're, we're fending off um, kind of interest from uh, Australia and New Zealand. We've got a number of different relationships and partnerships happening across uh, Europe as well. Um, in different industries, you know, whether it be cannabis, medical, or whether it be hemp, CBD, um, you know, we've got interest from all, and we've also got a lot of deep conversations with Canada as well. So, you know, at the moment we're a small team, so we're just trying to succeed very well uh, in the US. We're trying to be strategic about our growth, but yeah, the uh, the opportunities in uh, you know around the world are huge. And Mike, that it sounds great, and I really like what you're doing to the cannabis industry here. You know. I don't ask this of my guests that often, but just with the background, you know, coming from the tobacco space, what attract, besides the fact that you were tasked with analyzing the space for British American tobacco, what attracted you to this space? I mean, was this a space that you wanted to work in or was it just an opportunity that you saw? I think it's a, it's, it's a mixture of a lot of different things. It was, it was being the right person in the right place at the right time. I'd got 15 years of experience in big tobacco. I was studying cannabis in California. The, the legislation was changing rapidly. You know, it felt like the stars were aligning. Previously, I had never thought that I'd be, you know, the owner of a cannabis technology. But, you know, as I got to learn more about the industry and the people in the industry, uh, I realized, you know, how close an industry it was and how, you know, kind of kind and friendly people were in the cannabis industry compared to some other industries so there's other reasons to get in there as well clearly it's going to be a you know a huge financial opportunity you know the whole cannabis industry that of course is alluring but uh, it's a mixture of all of those things i think the reality is in the most you know the the, the coldest reality was i could see the t- technologies coming i could see this stars aligning and i I actually thought if i don't create this opportunity i'll spend the rest of my life looking back and regretting it because somebody else will so it it was being the right person at the right time basically in the right place well i'm glad that you were the right person at the right time in the right place Uh, i'm excited to try it i'm glad that that you are looking at florida maybe i can twist your arm after this conversation we talk about who's going to be the first one to adopt the technology so you just talked about, you know, looking back, if you didn't do it, somebody else might have, right? Or you would have regretted not mm-hmm. doing it. When we look at the future, what most excites you about the opportunity in front of you and just about this industry in general? Uh, I, I think, you know, this is too big a question almost. Um, obviously, of my, course it is. My, my focus <laughs> is on building a mirror. So I'm hugely excited about what we can do with this company and this technology. Uh, and, you know, how we can influence lives of people around the world, you know, in a positive way, outside of the business side of it, you know, this is a huge opportunity. Um, but that's cu- that answer is coupled in with just seeing how <clears throat> the world's dominoes topple, seeing what's happened in the US and companies, uh, countries around, you know, it's clear to everybody that the, you know, the, as they say, the genie's out the bottle, uh, you know, this thing's only traveling in one direction. It's just going to be really interesting to watch as the world uh, evolves and, and you know, allows legalization of this, this, you know, this beautiful plant around the world. You know, it's going to be very, very exciting. And it's going to happen very fast. I think we all know that the acceleration of, you know, the, uh, the legislative trends uh, is also gaining momentum. So, you know, it's all happening in the next you know, few years, basically. No, it's very exciting. I hope you're right. I hope it does happen quickly. 
Um, I hope it's done right. My biggest fear, at least in this country, is that we've done such a good job. I don't want to say great job, but at the state level, we have, you know, 33 case studies of how you could potentially do it, right? And not, I wouldn't say there's a, a definitive model state yet, but at least we can take the best from everybody. I'm just, my fear is that the federal government legalizes it at the federal level and just throws a monkey wrench in, in interstate commerce and what the states are doing um, because our federal government is known for being perfect. Obviously, they're not going to mess that up. But that's my biggest fear when people talk about federal legalization is it, the legalization is one thing. The implementation, the regulation is another. Right. And I think that's what we need to be concerned about. Um, but that's just my thought. You know, I think you're probably more involved in that. But do you see that being an issue? Yeah, totally. I think it's a good case of be careful what you wish for. You know, I think people think they want federal legalization, but, you know, that will come at a, 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 with a price. You know, I think decriminalization and expungement, uh, you know, criminal records is a really important first step. I think, you know, the Safe Banking Act is an incredible, important step for the, you know, the companies in this space as well. Uh, but I think as far as full federal legalization goes, I think you're completely correct. I think, you know, when... Uh, you know, the FDA gets involved, it's, it's really going to reshape the industry into, into something that we may not recognize. If you look at what happened in the e-cigarette industry recently, uh, you know, that's, you know, it's all, it's, I wouldn't say it's all but gone, but, you know, regrettably now the only players that can really afford to play in that space are like people like Big Tobacco. So, you know, the FDA with all their best intentions ends up putting, you know, hundreds of thousands or you know, certainly tens of thousands of small businesses out of uh, out of business because they can't afford to comply with the regulations. And I think there's going to be some big issues uh, within the cannabis sector as well when the F FDA gets involved, again, with the best intentions. But again, this will also lead a lot of the market to big business, big alcohol, big pharma, big tobacco. You know, you know my platform is not big enough to share my opinion on what the federal government's doing to small businesses in general, at least this year. So we'll skip that topic. But Mike, it is been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. I'm excited, you know, for the device to hopefully come to Florida soon. Um, if the world opens up, I can certainly travel to go to go get some. But the the packaging, the branding on your own internal brands, the device looks very nice. The design is incredible. I even loved, you know, the pack that you have with all the sticks in it. it it's all great. So before we let you go, man, what 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 else have we not touched on that we should should talk about? Uh I think you've covered most of it off. Maybe I didn't mention the fact that we've just launched this new, launched this new Series X device. Uh, I actually believe that not only is it the uh, most functional and efficacious product in the market, but it's also the best looking product in the market as well. We've been very uh, fortunate to work with a famous industrial designer called Michael Young. He's worked in many different industries uh, and he's designed the, the external appearance uh, along with our internal team for the engineering, of course, of this product. Is that base the charger? That's right. It's got a charging dock. So it charges in the dock all the time. But you can also take it out of the dock and charge it with the USB-C to the device as well. Um, we've made, if anyone's seen our original S1 device, uh, we've made a lot of changes and a lot of improvements with the Series X uh, just launched last week. Uh, we're going to be seeing this in the press a lot over the next few weeks. Very cool. Well, well, I'm honored to be part of that tour. Thank you again. And, you know, this time before we let you go, let's get the website out there, any social media, all the plugs. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Uh, Amura.com, simple. Uh, we're Amura on Instagram as well. You can get in contact with us through the website. Um, 
Pretty straightforward. That's it. Thanks to everyone on the team for getting us where we are. Thanks, Todd, for a great interview. I really appreciate it. No, the, the honor was all mine. Thank you very much. And, you know, any cannabis brands that are watching this show, reach out. I want to try your product in the Amora. I'm not going to do it if it's not in it. Maybe I will. I don't know. But definitely reach out. I think it's a great device. I love the fact that it is very public friendly. Um, I'm excited to try it. And so thank you, Mike. Thank you, everybody at home. Again, this has been another episode of Elevate Your Grind. Check us out February 5th, annual C-Lab conference. That's at joincelab.com. If you're just tuning into the show or if you missed any part of it, you can see it next week on YouTube at youtube.com slash Elevate Your Grind. We are going to be live at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow with uh, Gia Kubrick from the Incredibles team. We're going to be talking about Incredibles and their edibles and they're relaunching across the country. So really excited about that. And then we have Rebecca Allison from Sutera on Thursday. That's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern. Of course, all of our live episodes are right here at facebook.com slash business group. Uh, tomorrow, check me out at the Emerge Conference. It's going to be around 145 Eastern. So I will be hosting the edibles panel. Uh, that's emergecanada.com. And then if you're going to watch that conference, you might as well come to the C-Lab one in February. You can see it online or you can see it in person at Sacred Space Miami. Join C-Lab.com. Folks, we will see you tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m. This has been another episode of Elevate Your Grind. We're out.